Hey, what is up, Edu Matchers? Hopefully, everybody is good. Thank you so much for joining us tonight. So, we are here with a familiar face. Uh, hopefully, you tuned in to the episode that we did back in March with Edifying Teachers. And if so, then you recognize a smiling face in front of you. So, we have our special, special guest tonight, Sophia Gonzalez. So, welcome back, Sophia. How are you doing today? I am doing great, Sarah. Thank you so much for having me on here tonight. I can't wait to start our conversation. Oh, same here. Same here. Just all of the work you're doing is super inspiring. So can't wait to dig in and uh, hear more about you. So for anybody who might not be familiar with your background, I'm just going to read a little bit of your bio. So Sophia is a high school AP English teacher at Morton East High School and an online college instructor for Moreland University. She's an activist at heart and a published poet. She has received numerous awards and recognitions, including Top Educator of the Year in 2019, the Teacher's Hero Award in 2020, and Spirit of Education Award in 2020. She is a founder and lead visionary of Project 214, which is a nonprofit organization that exists to combat poverty through the promotion of education at, at risk communities. She is currently a Fulbright Scholar, a Fellow with Latinos for Education, an Urban Leaders Fellowship engaging in global education with education policy and practice at a national level. Wow. How do you do all of that? Oh my goodness. <laughs> you know, it's funny. People ask me that question all the time, but when you're in your sweet spot and when all of your assets and gifts and talents kind of like centralize, it's just something that's so organic and it's free flowing and it's just such a gift to me. And it's more of a blessing than a burden. I totally totally and and yeah living your purpose and it just kind of clicks so that is that is just so awesome um huge shout out to everybody who's watching us tonight i see y'all there so sophia we're gonna jump into our very first question so tell us a little bit about your background and who or what inspired you to go into education yeah so i started a little bit later on in my career in terms of entering the classroom prior to entering the classroom i was in the nonprofit sector and i was doing a lot of nonprofit work uh, with after school programs and i did some guest speaking for another nonprofit and so it was there where i really started to gain a sense of my compass and my destiny working with at-risk youth um, really pushing subjects like healthy decision making and setting goals and overcoming obstacles and challenges and beating the odds it was there where i really felt like man i feel like i want to pivot and what's more, once I became a guest speaker, I entered the classroom and I interacted with students from all over the city and the suburbs within the Chicagoland area. And once I got actually in the classroom, that's where I was like, whoa. And I was already doing guest speaking. Um, I was already keynote speaking. As you had mentioned, I'm a published poet. So doing poetry and all of those modes of communication just kind of like centralized for me. And I'm like, I love this energy with the students and being in the classroom and this idea of me being in a position to impact lives and to communicate. This is where I want to go. Um, and so I really just was inspired by that. And in addition to that, 
growing up, I never really saw teachers that looked like me. And so that was another motivating force for me. Um, I didn't experience my first teacher of color until college. Uh, I had one black professor, uh, English, and he really impacted me. He really elevated my literary voice and even his commentaries on my essays, they still resonate with me today. And I was really inspired by him. I didn't have a Latinx educator until I became one. How about that, Sarah? And so these and so many other factors just really thrusted me into the classroom. This is my 13th year and uh, it doesn't look like I'm going anywhere anytime soon. Love that. Love to hear that. And I love to hear your origin story, your background and how everything just kind of came together to to just, you know, to, to meld into like this beautiful career that you have now. So that is just super awesome. So you were telling us, um, well, in the intro, we kind of went over some of the projects you're involved in, but a couple of them were fellowships. So could you tell us a little more about uh, some of the fellowships you're part of? Sure, absolutely. And I do have kind of a list. So <laughs> for all the listeners, please be patient. And I know Sarah is the host. I know you are a wonderful spirit. But listen, I'm in a variety of fellowships. And for some, I'm already alum. But this really speaks to my desire for community and just really being in networks that are like-minded and really creating a space for me at the table. So let me just preface that <laughs> so that for all the listeners, like, wow, what's happening? Um, it's, it's really just an overflow of what I feel like my calling and my destiny is in the realm of education equity. So I also want to preface with that. So... As you mentioned, I'm in many national fellowships. Um, The first one that I'll mention is Fulbright. Now, Fulbright is a very competitive national fellowship nestled in the U.S. Department of State. So this is a department agency, and they just celebrated their 75th anniversary. And Fulbright is so incredible. Absolutely. They are really focused on global competency, global citizenship, and creating a network for teachers to be like diplomats, to represent the United States. And for me, it was such a gift uh, to be part of this fellowship. I'm still an active fellow. Um, and it's just such an incredible fellowship. Fulbright really arms the teacher with the tools necessary to arm his or her classroom with ideas like global competency, being agents of change. It, it just really breaking open those classroom walls and really giving students an international lens. So it's been so neat to be in Fulbright. You go through a master's course. I mean, it's just incredible. And here's the pinnacle, Sarah. They actually send us to a different country from a different part of the world. And you investigate and interrogate an EDU issue. And so mine is going to be this idea of, are you celebrating the heroes of your culture? So this disruption of the text and really elevating diversity and really interrogating and investigating what does justice look like in your classroom at an international level, right? And so I haven't gotten my country yet, but I'm super excited. It could be anywhere from Morocco, India, Brazil, 
Peru and we'll be there for up to three weeks and we get to create this guide uh, for us to come back to our districts to become a bit of a global expert to kind of push these ideas at the building level and really promote this idea of global competency across content areas. So I can't wait to come back next year and really share this with my colleagues and my district and really just opening up that whole framework and that whole pedagogy. So that's Fulbright. Yes. Okay, I finished. I'm just starting. Okay, okay, That's okay. Education, Latinos for Ed is my sweetheart. Um, I just finished their coursework this past summer, mm -hmm. but I have stayed on board and I have been doing some work with them like ever since. And so, I'm right now, I'm an alum council member, and so, um, I'm part of this powerhouse team that is really pushing the mission and the vision among the alumni network and beyond. And what Latinos for Education did for me as a Latina was really amplified this idea of teaching from my identity and being a guardian of culture and really helping me to see and be aware of the state of education for the Latino community. And for me, man, it was amazing, Sarah, just and still is. Um, they have given me a plethora of opportunities to impact policy, to join focus groups, to really amplify my voice. They have given me a national seat at the table. They are my sweethearts and they know that they have Mrs. G for life. Um, and then there's Urban Leaders Fellowship, which is my newest fellowship. Um, I'm the Washington, D.C. cohort. And nice. Urban Leaders Fellowship, shout out to my other family, Urban Leaders, is they are an incredible fellowship um, that's several years old, and they engage in what is called policy and practice. And mm -hmm. what we as the fellows will be doing, it's a summer fellowship, so it's a seven-week fellowship, so I have yet to go. Okay. Um, I am onboarding, yes, and I'm starting to get acclimated uh, with the vision and the mission and the roles and what I'll be engaging in, but they're gonna connect us across nine cities, nine to 10 cities across Ooh. the United States. And we move down there um, or we stay virtual or hybrid because COVID did a number mm -hmm. on our face-to-face -face interaction. So it all you know, kind of varies. Yeah. Um, Washington, D.C., I will be going down there because it's half in person, half virtual uh, for now. But they are going to connect me with someone in office by day. So I'll be learning how to write policy memos and pushing EDU equity um, and just really embracing that whole realm of policy impact. And then in the PM, they'll connect me with a nonprofit that is also in my zone of genius, which is, you guessed it, education equity. And so I'll be down there for almost two months. And Sarah, I am just so, so excited. Um, and then last but not least, I am in a storytellers uh, fellowship. So it's a really brief fellowship. I'm almost finished it, finished with it. And it's called Expression, which is expression in English. And Storytellers for Change is a nonprofit that hooked up with another nonprofit called Latinx Education Collaborative, which I am a member and a huge fan of. And they created this, this incredible fellowship all for the sake of the art of storytelling at the intersection of telling provocative stories and provoking social change. And so as you can see, 
everything that I'm involved in, um, it has really helped to coalesce my story because there's so many moving parts. So I'll just kind of like stop there. Those are the four big fellowships that I'm in and that I'm an alum now with, but still actively involved. And I'm just excited to gain that seat at the table and to be among a family and network of like-minded. Oh, yes. Yes. I love everything that you just said, like, um, and how you were starting off about the the importance of connection 100% and finding those like-minded individuals and learning and growing together. That is just so dope. So I'm super excited for you for all of these fellowships, all of this great work that you're doing. Yes. <laughs> yes, indeed. So speaking of, of the great work that you're doing, you are the founder of Project 214. So the nonprofit organization we talked about a little bit in the bio. So could you tell us a little bit more about 214, like how you uh, how you founded it and the type of work that you do with that? Sure. Absolutely. Thank you for the question. So I started my first five years of teaching in a very gang infested, um, dangerous environment within the city of Chicago. And my first five years, unfortunately, were literally like a baptism by fire. Um, mm -hmm. I taught kids that were either dropped out or were kicked out of the Chicago public school system. And this was, an, um, this was a second chance charter school network that I was a part of. And so these students were coming in with an array of societal issues and just challenges that no master's program, no teacher certification program could ever prepare you for. I mean, I was really confronted with some of these issues that I just was not trained to confront um, from gang violence to death, losing some of my students to gang and to gun violence, working with single moms that had no registered address, undercover cops coming in and grabbing my students because they were allegedly part of a murder investigation investigation the night before. Mm -hmm. And these were some of the many issues that my students were facing at that particular time. Mm -hmm. And my room number was room 214. So it was out of those experiences and me being exposed to the disparities of some of our nation's most vulnerable kids that Project 214 was born. And so I co-founded it with a group of individuals, of dreamers, of visionaries, of some of my closest friends, a small knit team of four. And we started what is now called Project 214 in 2016. And it started pretty low key, grassroots, right? That's where dreams are born. And and we just started passing out backpacks and school supplies and small resources to teachers and students that were really in some high needs districts and neighborhoods and just empowering them, amplifying their voices. Then we took it international and we did some really cool work in Central America in El Salvador, Panama, Costa Rica, and even Puerto Rico, which is where I am from. When the storm hit in 2018, we went down there and we did some relief work and cleaned out some classrooms and provided some monetary resources. And that's really at the heart of a project 214 is really about it's promoting education, providing resources and improving lives, right? Um, that's our mission, right? But the vision is facilitating pathways of equity in education. And so project 214, um, has been just so richly blessed by so many donors and volunteers and fans throughout the years. You know, uh, my 2019 Teacher of the Year Award with uh, 
NSHSS, um, they actually in 2020 gave us, granted us a $10,000 grant um, to promote one of our campaigns that focuses on girls' education called Her Turn. And we were able to send a few girls to school in a children's home that we sponsor in El Salvador. And now what Project 214 is aiming to do is kind of morphing into a more scholarship base. So we want to give scholarships to uh, girls here in the U.S. as we continue to sponsor our pilot program in El Salvador. Um, and we really want to continue to amplify teachers, uh, specifically teachers of color that are really promoting this idea of racial equity, of social justice, of culturally responsive curriculum, really amplifying the diverse faces that are in front of them. We want to arm them. So we feature teachers on our social medias and give them gift cards and grant them mini scholarships. And um, that's what we're up to right now, really elevating the teacher, elevating the student, addressing a lot of issues within the world of EDU and just wanting to be a champion for equity. Oh, that is, I, I love that. So, so you started you started with your immediate area and from there you branched out and now you all are global, just doing big things just everywhere. That is amazing. I'm just, I'm, I'm so fired up to hear about that and about all the great work that y'all are doing. So thank you so much for sharing that. Absolutely. And shout out to my team at project 214, the team um, that carries the vision. Um, we have an operation task force, a, a team of women, of women of color um, that, come together and they flush these campaigns forward. And, you know, I'm just very grateful that there is a team around me that I have just a, a network of people that are just doing such incredible work on behalf of the organization. Um, and that's always just such a gift to be mindful of. Oh, totally. Yeah. Teamwork makes a dream work for sure. Come on. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so that is awesome. So Thank you for sharing that part with us. We're going to shift gears a little bit and talk about your work as a public speaker. So um, you you talked about that, like at the beginning, how you came from kind of uh, the nonprofit world and you were also a speaker at that point um, and you continue your speaking now. So what topics are you most passionate about? Yeah, so my topics have changed and shifted a smidgen, um, but right now I'm really passionate about racial equity. I'm really passionate about diversity and teacher representation. I'm really passionate about the state of education within the United States and beyond. And those are some of the main topics that I've been nestled in uh, for the past couple of years. And it's been just an honor to travel the country and to come online and podcasts and webinars to really share my heart and my lived experiences. I think it's important to really share truth telling narratives um, in terms of what you are truly passionate about. And that's really my goal, not only to truth tell, but to change the narrative, to really speak from an asset-based versus a deficit mindset, specifically within communities that are served, that are historically minoritized and really just changing that narrative. And I really love what the Secretary of Ed is doing right now. He's really, shout out to Miguel Cardonas, who's Puerto Rican. I'm Puerto Rican too. So shout out to that diversity in the administration. I appreciate that. Um, 
but just how even language matters, right? Mm -hmm. Rather than saying English language learners, he's pushing this idea of no, they're multilingual learners. Yes. Really, do you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. like really speaking from an asset mindset versus a deficit framework. No, they could speak and are learning two languages. Do you yes. know what I'm saying? As yeah. just an example of some of the topics and some of the pieces that I'm really passionate about and taking a national stage with. Absolutely. Oh my goodness. You just like spoke my heart right now. Like my, uh, let's go. Sarah. We can keep talking. Let's go. Yes. Yes. Like my, um, when I was doing my dissertation and I remember like so many conversations, like, um, like I, I was in there from like 2007 to 2017, long time, 10 years. Right. And just the shift, like of the way that, that we were looking at students. And I was so, so happy to see like towards the end, it was more like with an acid base, um, as opposed to a deficit mindset, um, or at least at, at my university, you know, I was seeing, I was seeing kind of that shift because we were looking at like stuff from back in the day where they were like talking about stuff like LEP and things like that. And that was just, you know, just not, not the right way to, not the right approach to our students. Cause they have so many gifts and so many talents that they bring to the table and, and they're all assets, you know, the ability to speak multiple languages like ooh, okay i'm about to get fired up so <laughs> no let's get fired up let's let's talk about it let us right. talk about it because yes. that is really you know where it's at and i and i really want to go as far as i can um with these narratives right and really pushing this idea that listen some of our nation's most vulnerable kids unfortunately are often stuck on the margins. But what we have to understand is that there are so many systemic issues that come in front of them that really prevents that upward mobility. And we need more conversations in that space in order for true reform to take place. And that's really where I want to go. And I will not stop. My future goal is really to impact EDU policy. I think that policy needs more stakeholders like educators at the decision-making tables because we are the first responders. We are the ones that are in the classroom. We are in the trenches. We are day-to-day. -day. And so you need our intel. You need our information and we really need to amplify those voices at the state and at the federal level. If we are going to reimagine what education is looking like, because the numbers are still very clear. There are big gap, there, there are big gaps and it's not so much an achievement gap, Sarah, is what I feel like is more an opportunity gap. Because yes. if our nation's kids were given the same opportunities as some of their counterparts, then the conversation would shift a little case in point super quickly i wanted to drop this really quick you know i was doing a bit of a compare and contrast between my district and a neighborhood district school and the differences really support obviously the current data right so let me just tell you this um the graduation rate for our one of our neighboring schools is 96 percent our graduation rates is around 73 percent the absentee the absenteeism rates is uh seven percent with our neighboring school ours is 27. the low income rate for our neighboring school is nine percent ours is 91. the multi-language learners percentage is four percent in our neighboring school Ours is 25. The dropout rate for our neighborhood school is 0%. Ours is 5%. 
And the student body for our neighborhood school is 50% white, 37% Latino, 4% black. For us, it's a 96% Latino, 1.7% white, and we're right there uh, with black students at 3%. Can I have you guess what the mile radius is between our school buildings? I'm gonna guess and say two miles. You're being um, uh, right in the vicinity there. Um, it, it's, it's four miles. Wow, wow. It's, just a four mile radius, Sarah. And so here are those pieces, right? That Mrs. G is very passionate about. And we have to look at these numbers. We have to continue to interrogate these systems that would continue to put some of our most brilliant kids on the margin. How is our zip code still determining the resources we're provided and oftentimes our destiny? But here's what I also discovered, and it goes in line with some of the things that I am passionately about in terms of my speaking topics. Because our kids are learning while behind, I'm teaching while behind, they formulate unique skills like resilience, durability, toughness, extra grit, passion, empathy, unstoppability. I made up that word. Various, <laughs> right? Various worldviews and diverse lived experiences, having a second language in their pocket, thriving in any environment. Temperature doesn't have to be perfect. And striving with this idea of overcoming. Those are some of the pieces that I want to bring at a national level. And yes. speaking on behalf of my own community. I, see, Sarah, I've, I've had the privilege and the honor of serving primarily Black and Latino students. And as a woman of color, it has been an honor. And I have learned so much from my students. But I am also a guardian of culture. And I am a guardian of my students. And that is also one of the topics that I'm very passionate about. Because the numbers are still too low. And we're still too far behind. And so how can we amplify these voices? See, because I don't speak on behalf of my students. They already have a voice. I'm just right. the voice that they already have. That's another misconception. I don't yes. speak for my students. They already have a voice. Yeah. <laughs> they're, they're their own individual. And they are brilliant and resilient and just bright and passionate because of those odds, unfortunately, that continuously are stacked against them. I'll mm. pause. I'll keep going. Wow. That is fire. That is fire. I feel like we could talk all night. That That is, yeah, because you, oh my goodness, you are talking to me right now. I love it. Everything that you're saying. And, um, you know, I'm so excited that your message, you know, that you're spreading your message to the world, um, you know, in, all, in everything that you're doing, in all of your fellowships, in all of your public speaking, in all of your appearances. So um, absolutely love that. Love that. So, you spoke a little bit about um, in the future, you hope to influence policy. Um, so could you tell us some more about what your plans for the future might entail? Sure, absolutely. So Urban Leaders is really giving me that open door um, in the near future. So I head to Washington, D.C. I report to my summer fellowship June 27th. So wish me luck, Sarah. I'm yes, super excited. 
I'm so excited. And so that really is going to give me the exposure to that particular sphere of influence and really get my foot in the door for potential networking opportunities that will really advance my work forward. And I once was in conversation with a good friend of mine, um, shout out to Dr. Richard Warren, who was the 2019 Maryland Teacher of the Year. He once told me in a conversation, he said, Ms. G, get in spaces that give you speed. You mm. need speed. And so, man, that 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 just really spoke to me. Like, your, your destiny needs to speed up. It's so yeah. important. And so Urban Leaders is really going to speed up that goal that I have to really impact EDU policy. But I also just recently interviewed with the U.S. Department of Education, their school ambassador fellowship, which is the mother flagship of education policy and impact. And so if you got a praying audience, let your audience know, Miss Sarah, they need to pray for Miss G because yeah. Miss G wants to go to Washington. And, you know, those are some goals that I have. Listen, does it look like I know? Too much about politics? Not really. Does it, did I mention anywhere in our conversation thus far that I have actually, you know, been a part of writing policy or any of those dynamics? No, but you know how this goes, right? And I okay. always believe that you just keep moving forward. And as Dr. King once said, even if you don't see the whole staircase. And so that's what I'm doing. I'm moving forward. I don't see the whole staircase, but I know that the work and the burden that I have for justice and equity and equal education opportunity for all is so overwhelming that I really just want to get in the room with some powerful stakeholders and tell these narratives, Sarah. I really, really, truly believe at my core that I'm going to get that space at the table and really begin to inform policy that affects teachers and students that need their voices amplified for the sake of revolution. Education is the great equalizer, and it should be considered a fundamental right and not a privilege for the select few. And if you mm -hmm. invest in education in our nation's kids, you are investing in the prosperity of our nation. And so it's it's very urgent and the work is urgent. We have just been in uproar with racial injustices and political upheaval. The time is now and the time shall come. And so I'm, I'm just really wanting to get out there in spaces and places with important folks, powerful folks that can really move the needle. It's, it's, it's not enough to just have conversations. Where are the solutions? Where mm -hmm. are the best practices and the outcomes that will really move our nation's kids forward that need that upward mobility now and not yesterday? Yes. Absolutely. I love that. I absolutely love that. And I can't wait to hear, you know, like we got to catch up after the summer and you got to let me know how everything is going. Cause my goodness, that is just like super exciting. Um, so really, really appreciate being here with us today. Just like lighting us on fire with your passion for education and for, for equity, for all things. So, um, so how can people get in touch with you? online. And why is my thing? There we go. Okay. There we go. How can we get in touch with you online? Sure. So um, you could go on our website at www.project214.net. So you could see and keep up to date with our happenings and what's going on with the nonprofit. You can also find me on 
IG at Mrs. G underscore uh, speaks. Um, that's IG. And then on Twitter, it's Mrs. G uh, underscore P214. And so those are the three spaces. And I'm also on LinkedIn, uh, my first and last name. You can find me there at Sofia Gonzalez. Um, and I'm on, I'm online all the time. Oh, and if you want to get in touch with some of my blog writing, I also do some blogging on some of these national issues and all of my lived experiences and these fellowships that I'm a part of. It's too much to unpack in like 30 minutes. And so you can uh, go to my blog, which is www.sophiaspeaks.com. Please come and connect with me. I love to have conversations. Uh, please follow my work. Thank you, Sarah, for showing all my social medias. I appreciate you. It continues the work and I am forever grateful. Same here. Same here. Thank you so much for sharing your story, sharing your passion, sharing your time with us tonight. Like I, I really enjoyed our conversation and um, I saw some some likes getting thrown up in the uh, from Facebook. So that is awesome. Um, so thank you to everyone for tuning in as well. Like this has just been a fantastic combo. We're going to have this available on our podcast um, May 31st. I believe this episode will drop. So definitely tune in for that. And um, yeah, so just wanted to thank you again, Sophia, for your time and for, for your expertise that you shared with us today. Thank you so much. And I just wanted to leave us with the words of Malala Yousafzai, one pen, one book. One teacher, one student can change the world. Love that. Absolutely love that. That was such a great way to close. So thank you again for being here. And thank you to everyone for watching tonight. And we will see you next time. Bye, everybody. Don't miss Edge Match. Don't miss.